Hi, I'm Sister Justine. I'm a loving, devoted follower of Jesus who teaches at the local Catholic school. And Sister Justine has plenty of stories about saints, which she shares with the children to help them in their everyday lives. Relax and listen as we bring you Sister Justine's Saint Tales. It's a holiday weekend for the students, and with a big meteor shower set to happen during the night, several classmates have gathered at the local park to watch. My dad said be careful not to have a flashlight on, so that our eyes can adjust to the darkness and we can see the meteors better. What is a meteor anyway? I hear people call them shooting stars. So, do stars really fall down from the sky? No, stars don't do that. A meteor is a small rock or another piece of debris that falls from outer space into the Earth's atmosphere. That's correct. Sister Justine? Hi, kids. Sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. I came out here to watch the meteors myself. You like astronomy, too? That's cool. Oh, I sure do. I like to look at the stars, the planets, the moon. It's all part of God's great big creation. Sister, if meteors are actually space rocks and not really falling stars, why do they get so bright? That's because when the meteor enters the Earth's atmosphere, the contact creates friction. Here, take your hands, put them firmly together, and rub your palms against each other. They're starting to feel warmer. Well, that's friction. Up high in the sky, the friction between the Earth's atmosphere and the meteor is so great that the meteor gets really hot. When you see the flashing streak, that's the meteor burning up. Whoa! Do they ever make it to the ground? Well, it's very rare when that happens, but every once in a while a meteor might make it to the ground. That's when they become known as meteorites. That's amazing to think how such a small little object can become so brilliant. Just like many great people in the Catholic faith. Each individual was just one person who shone brightly and made a difference for the good of God. In fact, there's a patron saint of astronomy, St. Dominic. I'll tell you what, while we wait to adjust our eyes to the night sky, I'll tell you his story. Dominic de Guzman was born in the year 1170 in the village of Calaluega, located in the mountains of the Kingdom of Castile. Today, it's a region that is within the country of Spain. Hola, como estas? That's Spanish for hello. How are you? My parents named me after another Saint Dominic, Saint Dominic of Silos, a Spanish monk who lived about a century before me. It's said that before he was born, Dominic's mother made a pilgrimage to the Abbey of Silos. While on her journey, she had a dream one night about a dog carrying a torch that set the world on fire. To her, it was a sign that her son would one day grow up to do great things. My parents had a strong devotion to God and to Jesus. I learned about the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus at a young age. My uncle was a priest, and he was responsible for much of my education. With a strong religious faith in his family, it only seemed natural that young Dominic would pursue life in the priesthood He began those studies when he was 14 years old. I spent 10 years studying theology and the arts. While I built up the knowledge necessary to be a good priest, I also developed the spirit to live like one of Jesus' apostles, providing kindness while not seeking the riches of the world. When he was 21 years old and still studying, a terrible famine swept across the land. Many people, especially the poor, found themselves starving. To help bring food to local poor families, I sold off my possessions, including my clothes and furniture. 
He even sold off his books. Yes, I even sold the parchment manuscripts I needed for my studies. When my professors asked why I would do that, I asked them, would you have me studying from those dead skins when people are dying of hunger? He also tried to free slaves who were held captive by a group of people known as the Moors, who also lived in Spain. I tried to do that twice by offering myself to be sold as a slave and using the money raised to buy the freedom of someone already in captivity. But that didn't happen. No, God had another plan for young Dominic. In 1194, when he was 24 years old, he was ordained and joined an order known as the Canons Regular in the city of Osma. Very early in his priestly life, he became good friends with the local bishop, Diego de Acebo. In the year 1203, they both traveled to Denmark to help the King of Castile finalize his plans for a marriage between a Danish princess and his son. I didn't think matchmaker was part of my job description, but there we were on our way to Denmark to seal the deal. This was a time in history when kings would form alliances to secure and grow their power by uniting their sons and daughters in marriages. Many times it made the difference between peace and war. The good news is we struck a deal and we would escort the princess back to Castile for the wedding. But the bad news, and the sad news, was that just before they were to leave on the trip, the princess got very ill and died. So, as a result, we were free to return home or embark on another mission. Bishop Diego suggested we go to Rome. He wanted to meet with the Pope so he could resign his current position and take on a new job within the church, one that would allow him to travel around and convert non-believers. Pope Innocent said thanks, but no thanks. He had another mission for us instead. He wanted us both to travel to southern France to preach in opposition to a rising movement known as the Albigensians. The Albigensians were a movement of Christians who were teaching things that were in direct conflict with the true faith. This is known as heresy. For example, they believed that while God was inherently good, all of the material world was evil. From the birds and trees to the land and water and air, never mind that God created it, they believed all of it was evil. Everything? Yes, everything. Many of the Albigensians even went so far as to starve themselves on purpose. Not fast, but actually starve, because they saw our bodies as fundamentally evil too. Remember, Jesus taught us to live humbly, not to excess. What he did not teach us to do is live self-destructively. He let himself be put to death so we could be saved from death and destruction. The church reminds us to respect our bodies. When we profess our faith at every mass, we acknowledge our belief that one day all of us faithful to Jesus will resurrect they also preached against our belief in the real presence of Jesus Christ during the Eucharist. So, yes, we had a big challenge ahead. We accepted Pope Innocent's orders and left Rome for southern France. We were to meet up with other monks from the Cisternian order who were already trying to preach against the Albigensians and turn people back 
to the true beliefs of the church. The Cisternians were having a hard time converting people away from the Albigensians. When Dominic and the bishop arrived at their destination, it wasn't long before they found out why the other monks weren't succeeding. Now don't listen to what those Albigensians are saying. Follow me and my brothers here. We'll lead you on the right path. Now, of course, that path requires leading a life of poverty. So, excuse me, who are you? Brothers, I am Dominic, and this is Bishop Diego. Nice to meet you. We've come to help you in your mission to steer people away from the Albigensians. Oh, great. Nice to meet you, too. Here, maybe you can take over for me preaching here so I can go on a break. I want to get back to the tavern before they close up the kitchen. I've been craving a big turkey leg and cup of wine all day. Right, where's my servant? You, get the wagon hitched. While the Cisternians meant well, many of them enjoyed worldly goods like a hearty meal, staying at the best inns. They enjoyed them too much. Some of them took on almost rock star personalities. In other words, they didn't exactly practice what they preached, and the Albigensians saw this. Bishop Diego and I, on the other hand, knew that to regain the hearts of the people, we had to be better examples. We had some help. There were some Cisternian monks who remained faithful to a more Christ-like lifestyle, avoiding the luxuries their brothers were enjoying. They joined us in our cause, going out among the people. We fasted. We prayed modestly, not over the top. And when some tried to argue with us, we used the truth, God's truth, in order to debate them and change their hearts. In time, Dominic, Bishop Diego, and their friends persuaded many people to see the errors of Albigensian teaching and again embrace true Catholic teachings. It wasn't always easy. Sometimes the Albigensians, especially their leaders, would threaten us with violence to try and silence us, especially when they realized they weren't winning the debate. Unfortunately, the campaign to reverse the teachings of the Albigensians did turn violent. In the year 1208, Pierre de Castelnau, a Cisternian leader, was assassinated. The French king, when asked to help deal with the Albigensians, declined. He was too busy being at war with England, so Pope Innocent called for a crusade. Knights answered the call from places including northern France, England, and Austria. When they arrived in southern France, they clashed with Albigensians. Many innocent people died in the fighting. As much as Bishop Diego and I wanted to turn hearts and souls away from Albigensian teachings, we never wanted to resort to violence. We kept doing our work, but with mercy, not force. But Dominic did become friends with one prominent crusader, Simon de Montfort. He invited Dominic along to help convert survivors in the cities where crusaders battled the Albigensians. I could not stop the fighting, but I could defend the innocent, including women, children, the elderly, and the sick. I realized we needed to build a permanent home in the region where local families could educate their children, and from where we could continue our work leading people back into proper Catholic faith, away from the Albigensians. In the year 1215, Dominic traveled to Rome to ask Pope Innocent for permission to organize his friends and colleagues into a formal order. 
It took some time to get a response. Innocent III died the next year, but his successor, Pope Honorius III, approved the order in the year 1217. We established rules about how to live, including strict discipline, lots of prayer, and penance. This was the birth of what would become the Order of Friars Preachers, later known as the Dominicans. The order grew rapidly, catching on throughout Europe. Dominic eventually made Rome his new headquarters, but for the remaining years of his life, he would travel to meet up with his fellow friars. Oftentimes I traveled barefoot, regardless of the weather. If it was wet or a little chilly, it didn't bother me. On any of these occasions, I only lifted my praises up to God. All of that traveling caught up to Dominic, and in the year 1221, he became very ill with a bad fever. He arrived at the convent of St. Nicholas in Bologna, Italy. When he got there, he ordered the monks to lay some stretched sacks along the ground where he would lay down. Even as I lay slowly dying, I urged my brothers to have charity, live with humility, and see their poverty as a treasure with a heavenly award ahead. Dominic died on August 6, 1221. He was canonized St. Dominic in the year 1234 by Pope Gregory IX. In addition to being the patron saint of astronomy, St. Dominic is also the patron saint of natural sciences and of many lands around the world, including the Caribbean nation, Dominican Republic. Sister, that's a great story, but it doesn't seem like St. Dominic was into astronomy. Yeah, why did he become the patron saint of astronomy? Remember when I told you about his mother's vision about the dog carrying the torch as a sign he would go on to do great things? It is also reported that on the day of his birth, she saw a star on his chest. And if you think about it, his mission in life was to stand up against the teachings of those who convinced people that all matter was evil. He was standing up and preaching on behalf of God's own creation. Including the stars in the sky. Hey, look, I just saw a meteor. Cool. Hey, there's another one. Looks like the meteor shower is getting started. Thanks, Sister Justine. You're welcome. Let's enjoy this. Ooh, there goes another. And there's another one. Cool. Another one? Wow. This is awesome. And that was a bright one. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. You've been listening to Sister Justine's Saint Tales, created and distributed by the Communications Department of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. The voice talents you heard are Melissa Cumming as Sister Justine, Analia, Angelise, and Eliana as the students, Gregory Tobin as St. Dominic, and I'm Michael Mrosiak. I was the voice of the Wayward Monk. I'm also the creator, writer, and producer of the series. Special thanks to Mary Palmer at Our Lady of Pompeii Church in Lancaster, New York for her assistance. Thanks to Samuel Francis Johnson and Pixabay for the prayer theme, and to Pixabay for a portion of the sound effects. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to come back for more of Sister Justine's Saint Tales.